Uh, so I'm Ivana Cancella. I'm the state senator for District 10. I was appointed to that position in 2016, and I'm running for election this year. And the first CD I ever bought was TLC Chasing Waterfalls. Oh, oh yeah. nice. Okay, cool. That's a great That's a good one. one. Yeah. 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 Oh, Rest in peace, Lisa. So, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Did you know that that was a Left condom eye. that she wore over her eye? No, but that's awesome. Yeah, promoting safe sex way back in the day. I love that. Yes. You know, women have always been like, particularly like women of color in music, have always been like teaching us things that we weren't ready for. Right. Because salt and pepper, let's talk about sex. Like this was like the late 80s when no one wanted to talk about, no one was like, I mean, even my parents were like, I have very liberal parents. And my parents were even like, oh, we don't know if we like that song for you. (laughs) Like I could listen to anything, but my parents were like, ah. That one, sex was something they were not, I don't think, ready for, like, who, nine-year-old Jacob to be exposed who to those ideas. Who sings, I want your sex? Do, 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 do. George Michael. George mm-hmm. Michael. George mm-hmm. Michael was, and, yeah, whatever the heck that group is. Yeah, they were woke 20, 30 years before Wham. all us white people. Wham. Wham! Was his group, but then it was George Wake Michael. Wake me up Biden. before you go. Right, yeah. right. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. I and feel like we Christmas. just came up with a pretty perfect karaoke list. I uh, agreed. Yeah. Ooh. Well, we should, next time we meet, we should do some, uh... Yeah, karaoke. Karaoke and yeah. some soju bombs. Yeah, I think right. Dino's 10 p.m. on Friday night is calling our name. Well, welcome. Happy happy evening, everyone. Um, so we are excited here to have our very first interview for um, Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. And we have the wonderful Ivana Kinsella, who many of you probably already know. Welcome, Ivana. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming on and being our first, our first full-fledged interview for the show. Yeah. So uh, we should probably get, let's just get right into talking. We've been talking yes. for a while now, so um, uh, unfortunately you won't get to hear all the fun stories. I don't know. Where do we want to start? Um, let's, uh, Ivana, I think our listeners would be interested to hear about you. Yeah. Tell us your story. Yeah, where'd yeah. you come from? Why, why'd you come to Las Vegas? Yeah, I think I ended up here the way that a lot of people end up here, which is for a temporary job assignment where you think this will be a couple months, couple years, and then I'll make my grand exit. Uh, I came to work on Harry Reid's 2010 election campaign. I was all set to do the Peace Corps after college, and through a very intense organizing drive, my mom convinced me that that would not be a good idea, mostly because Latina moms are some of the most persuasive and um, best at guilt-inducing. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but it looked like Harry Reid was going to lose to a woman who wanted to barter chickens for health care. And I thought, that's probably not something that should be in the U.S. Senate. <laughs> and so I came and worked as a field organizer. And I was tasked with working mostly on the east side and got to really see Las Vegas through a totally different lens. People forget that people live here and it's not just right. the Strip. Um, and that summer I met Dee Taylor, who at that time was running the Culinary Union, and long story short, ended up working at the union organizing workers. And it was the first time I've worked in 
the service industry and never made more than $2 an hour um, when it was a tipped position. And here you can lead a really decent life uh, working in our service industry. And to me, it was the first time I ever felt in my gut, like there is no compelling argument for why this shouldn't be the case everywhere. Right. Um, if you work 40 hours a week and you work hard, you should be able to lead a really decent life. And I worked as a political director there for six years, got to do really great work seeing ordinary people do extraordinary things. Thought I was done after the 2016 election. An olive farm in Italy had my name on it. And <laughs> then Trump won the election and I felt really compelled to do something way out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I applied to fill the vacancy left by then Senator, now Congressman Ruben Keown and got appointed to the state senate and took over running a small nonprofit that helps people apply for citizenship at no cost called the Citizenship Project. So that is my Vegas story. I have now awesome. deep Vegas roots and don't see myself leaving anytime soon. That's, That's awesome. awesome. And you're going to law school currently. Yeah, it is the best and stupidest <laughs> thing I've done to become a full-time law school student. Um, it means I'm a little miserable sometimes, but also really right. learning a lot and so grateful for everything Boyd does in our community. Yeah, they're they're pretty great. I I think we all we all recognize how great Boyd is in the community yeah. with all their clinics and Yeah, it's um, this incredible brain trust work. of professors and just so much of their mission is community service driven that I think their um, pebble they drop into the metaphorical lake has deep ripples. So Right. So can I, I'd be interested to hear about your work with the Citizenship Project. Right now, immigration is a very hot topic issue. So, right. Yeah, I am so lucky that I ended up in a position to work with them. So I'd been on the board. The Citizenship Project has been around for 17 years. And its sole purpose when it was founded was to help people apply for naturalization at no cost. We have a huge population of legal permanent residents that work across the valley, but primarily on the strip because to work in all of the casinos, because you go through the gaming control board, you need some sort of work status. And so we have folks that have been legal permanent residents for 10, 15, 20 years that have never applied for naturalization. And we've mm -hmm. seen an uptick in clients. And so our goal is to help as many people as possible every year apply for citizenship. And we help people with the application. And then we have free classes for people to prepare and hopefully pass the, um, USCIS interview. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's incredible. Actually, there are some casinos that, um, what was I going to say, that cover the costs. No? Yeah. When, for a long time, the um, had that program, I believe they still do. I know Caesars has an in-house mm -hmm. citizenship uh, oh, training cool. program, and it makes sense. It's good for the, it's good for workers, but it's also good for the companies because as right. immigration yeah. continues to get messed I mean, messed with, for lack of a better description, at the federal level, mm -hmm. there are more and more uncertainties. And so we've already seen with TPS that we're going to mm -hmm. lose workers across the valley. And I right. think more employers are pushing workers who can apply for citizenship to do so. Mm -hmm. So can we talk DACA and TPS, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah sure. And 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 I I haven't seen anything, but do we have an idea of how many how many people in the valley are affected by by TPS? Obviously, that's been most present in the news, but also also DACA. Yeah, it's about two. We have about two thousand uh, TPS holders statewide, okay. and about thirteen thousand DACA recipients wow. statewide. And it 
translates into real dollars to the tune of almost $16 million a year for the state. Wow. Um, and that's just a baseline. That doesn't say, that's not to say what that will become 5, 10, 15 years from now. Right. Um, and you think of what every one of those numbers means in terms of families, in terms mm-hmm. of community, right. just value. And it's really devastating to think that they now have a deportation order from the government. Right. It's awful. So yeah. I was um, actually just yesterday or a couple of days ago, I was listening to The Daily, the New York Times uh, podcast, and they were talking about TPS. And it, it set my mind, um, I started thinking about temporary pr- uh, protective status, just the, mm-hmm. you know, the name itself says it's temporary, right? So this is a type of protection that uh, offers lawful status and employment authorization uh, temporarily here in the United States for people that are coming from countries that are going through political turmoil or some sort of disaster. Can you can you explain, though, what is the reasoning be- behind the U.S. government uh, extending temporary status, like, isn't it really in their benefit? Isn't that a sort of a type of brain drain? Like, you're, you know, these people are coming over here with families and everything. You're educating their children. Is it not in our best interest to extend uh, status, to, yeah. permanent status to these people? Absolutely. And I think what's crazy is that when TPS was originally put into place, there was no pathway forward for these individuals. They've been in immigration limbo for decades. So people from El Salvador have waited 15, 20 years in this country without any sort of pathway forward, just renewing their TPS status. So Mm -hmm. the government, it's not just what the Trump administration has done wrong. It's the way the program is originally designed that's Mm -hmm. problematic. But for the federal government to have no sort of heart, for lack of a better word, for what families are going through as a result of their actions, to me is disgusting. It just shows a complete disdain for the humanity that is behind our immigration system and also shows that they are on a path to fulfill Trump's immigration promises from the campaign, which should be terrifying to everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, and I'm curious just because of your work, if you have any stories of you know, because we we want to make it apparent to people here in our community how like real this is. I mean, you know, do you have there's a, you know obviously don't need to use any names, but any examples of of families or people that are going to be affected by this? Well, there've been a lot of really brave people who have come forward, dreamers, TPS holders, and I think of um, a woman named Erica who worked at Brady Laundries for a long time. Erica is from El Salvador. She is a mother of three kids who were born in the U.S. And she was such a tremendous leader at Brady that she became a shop steward and eventually came to work on staff at the Culinary Union. Right. Oh, the cool. Review Journal just today yeah, published just, an article. That's oh, exactly wow. yes. right. Uh-huh. And she is just, a, she's a short woman. She's not, she's not a big uh, physical presence, but when she walks into a room, she is just a beacon of power. And... She fights for her coworkers. She fights for our community to have better job standards. And she fights for her kids to live the, out the American dream that she never got the opportunity to have. And when we're talking about deporting people like that, we're really talking about succumbing to our worst tendencies and right. our just what America should never be. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and it's, I mean, and the, the thing I think that a lot of people don't realize is. These are people that have jobs that are contributing to the greater Las Vegas society. So it's not, you know, it's not the what what maybe 
you know, Trump and his people would like you to think where it's people just living off of, you know, these benefits that we know don't actually exist for, for, you know, individuals who come from other countries, but it's, it's that these people are the people that we may interact with every day and 2000 people. That's a lot. Like that, that's a, that's actually a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I know I was listening to, um, I think it was either morning edition or marketplace, um, on NPR and they talked about like LA, it was something like 50,000 people. I mean, that's, 50,000 50, people just alone who have TPS, but then imagine their families or their children who, you know, may be born here, like the ripple effect in that city would just be, I mean, I, I can't even imagine how insane that would be. And it puts employers in a terrible situation because what is the, whether an employer has hired dreamers or TPS holders, could be someone who's worked at the company for a long time, mm-hmm. where they now have to figure out this is an incredible, valuable employee who... I now have to figure out what to do considering their legal status. And anyway, I don't think there are any winners in what the government's doing. Where do you see this heading? I think Congress has to make a decision very quickly. And it seems like there is an appetite to have a bipartisan solution. But it also may mean that Democrats have to make a really tough decision in voting for a border wall that is meaningless and expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't envy folks in Washington who are in that position because it's how do you save the lives of eight hundred thousand dreamers across the country and vote for a five billion dollar border wall, or do you say no deal unless it's just uh, fixed for DACA? I don't mm-hmm. know. That's Tough position to be in. Wait, you don't feel like golfing at Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> <laughs> That's my dream. That and cheeseburgers in bed, right? right. At 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, I think Trump is hosting like a contest. His campaign's hosting a contest about having dinner with him and oh, God. at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, oh, yeah. I think I think it's it's we are very much outpriced of this, this Proceeds contest. Proceeds go Probably. towards Breitbart or NRA? Yeah, someone, <laughs> yeah. for sure, oh, yeah. God. Bannon's defense fund I don't know yeah I just want to be able to live um with mandatory executive time in my life like if I didn't have to start my day till 11 because I was watching news and tweeting that'd be kind of awesome that would that would be great yeah Yeah. and get your you get your first bucket of KFC around like one (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon be awesome exactly (laughs) I'd rather have Pollo Inca or Pollo Inca is delicious Pollo Campero Yeah. Also. Oh yeah, yeah, Boyo yeah. Campero. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were talking about that. Next time we have you on, we'll we'll get some. Deal. Right. Yes. Deal. Yeah. So the women's march is going to be taking place, the rally, uh, on the it's on rally. Sunday, the twenty first, correct? And um, I'm just interested in hearing about your experience as uh, a female Latina. Uh, what what is it like running for for public office? Um, I am very lucky in that I have strong shoulders to stand on. In 2010, a wave of Latina women were elected to the legislature. People like Irene Bustamante Adams, Olivia Diaz, Lucy Flores, and they opened the doors for people like me to see women like me in office. I think that's so important. And Mm -hmm. while I never considered myself someone who would be in office, I recognize the responsibility I have to open the doors for there to be way more people, way more women like me in office, young women, Latina women. And I know that 
I have a responsibility to speak up and share my perspective as a Latina woman when we're making policy decisions. And sometimes it's as small as saying, are we thinking about making sure that when we're doing outreach, there's also a Spanish component. And sometimes it's as big as saying, we need to do this differently because the way this is happening can actually hurt my community. Um, and it's a responsibility that sometimes feels really heavy, but also feels really important. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. And and we know that you're you are quite involved in the community, and, and part of your involvement is with with youth. And how do you how do you talk to youth, particularly young women, about you know what it is you're doing, or if they're interested in running for office in the future? What do you what do you say to them? It's so I'm really interested in um, working with students. I think that. One of the things that's so important is to have a leadership pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very lucky to be on the board of Leaders in Training, which is a tremendous nonprofit that helps make sure that kids get to and through college. Um, but when talking to students, it's really reminding them that they own a story that no one else can tell. No one else can talk about what our education is, system right. is like better than students, right? They're living it day in and day out. And they have a voice that matters and is often not or underrepresented Mm -hmm. and they i think students in particular think politics is just what who's running for president Mm -hmm. but politics is everything they do from how expensive college is to what scholarships are available to how their schools are zoned and i think when you start peeling back those layers and opening kind of getting students to recognize just how important their voice is that's when they start becoming involved and that's the work I want to do. I want to go around igniting that flame. So. Do you have any cool, uh, interesting pet projects related to education or children uh, that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I'm working on a summer leadership institute for senior. I'm targeting seniors, but we'll open it to all high school students from Chaparral and Valley, which are the two high schools in my Senate district. And so I'll be in campaign mode this summer. Typically, campaigns have high school students do a lot of door knocking and mm-hmm. phone calls, and that's super valuable experience. But I'm interested in doing something a little different where we have a leadership academy and the students take on a project. I'm trying to figure out if it's coming up with their own bill and then them having to see it through completion through the next session, oh, cool. or if it's coming up with changes they would like to see at their schools. I'm not sure exactly what it looks like, but Mm -hmm. I'd like to have 50 students that I work with this summer. Um, And I'm putting together the curriculum in the next few weeks. I'm going to start recruiting. So Wow, that sounds really awesome. Mm -hmm. I think it's the best part of being in office is having the ability to do things like that. It's much more exciting than giving campaign speeches or campaigning generally. So Right. Well, and it's reaching the people. I mean, those are... The, literally the people yeah. and empowering yeah. them right mm-hmm. giving them the tools they need to succeed yeah. yeah and especially there are some students who are always who are going to be the we all know who they are they're the overachievers in class who are on a, they have tunnel vision for success and they're going to be fine it's the students who are thinking about wanting to do things but don't necessarily do them because they don't think they can because their life doesn't allow them to it's those students who i think really deserve opportunities that wouldn't otherwise be afforded to them so that's super inspiring thank you (laughs) yeah for for sure (laughs) yeah that is awesome yeah and we hear we hear also big fans of leaders in training so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. they do tremendous work i mean 
So um, Erica Mosca founded Leaders in Training. She came to Vegas as a Teach for America teacher and worked in the school district and had a dream to have a nonprofit that gets students to and through college and has done it with yeah. a scrappy determination and lots of help from parents and volunteers and her friends and family. She's just built this incredible nonprofit. Yeah. And those, the students are, I mean, I've had the opportunity to work with many of her students. Those, the leaders are incredible, incredible young people. Yeah. And she, they all do volunteer service. They've all been involved. They all get involved in the community Yeah. and they're all, I mean, the most, these, these, these are the kids who are going to change the world. Right. Most definitely. They're going to, and change Las Vegas. I, I joke with yeah. her that we're going to have a governor from that's right. the former leaders <laughs> yeah. and training kid one day, because that's the kind of student that she's building up. So. Oh Yeah. We have uh, our, our our producer just wanted to remind everyone that if Sharon Angle can do it, <laughs> anyone can. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Good lord. That's right. Oh, right. Almost a U.S. senator, and that's almost. Right. And I heard she was considering at one point getting go getting back in. Uh, I don't I don't know if she was considering running for for Senate against Heller, but uh, in the primary. But I'm I heard sure she I had heard some some rumors. <laughs> And I was like, I mean, what more do we, we need that? We yeah. literally need people to give her money. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> oh gosh. My, um, I saw this on Instagram the other day. Um, someone posted a thing that said, if Trump can be president, I can have abs. And that's my mantra. For the <laughs> oh, <year>. that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Anything oh is possible. <laughs> that's, that's a, I, that's really great. It, I mean, it is very true. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can do anything because because Trump is president. <laughs> exactly. If he can get there, we can do anything. Right. Um, so speaking of uh, abs, you're in yoga gear. Um, when you're not working <laughs> like a crazy person, and um, I'm hopefully not spreading yourself thin. Um, what self care do you do you use, or what do you do to relax here in Vegas? So the session was really hard, in that I gave myself and I did what I. I've done my entire life is I focus all in on a project and leave myself at the very bottom of the mm. list, mm -hmm. which usually means I'm eating mainly 7-Eleven junk food and nice. <laughs> drinking oh, no. a lot of coffee. <laughs> and during the session, I was my office was next to Tick Sager Blooms, who bought the best candy in the entire legislative building. Oh, okay. So I ate a lot of candy. Anyway, long story short, I gained about 25 30 pounds and felt terribly like never again it was my i am never doing this again i am putting myself at the top of every list mm -hmm. right. otherwise i can't do anything um and so for the last few years i've trained at real results downtown oh, it's, cool. oh nice. um, it's a great gym it kicks my butt every day so i try to make it there at 5 45 every morning oh, and then uh take some yoga classes to become zen i guess. i don't know people right. say it's good for you so i do it and um i'm, I'm writing that down yeah because we were just <laughs> talking about that it's midnight and i'm on twitter you know you have russian trolls that are just right. waking right. up at that hour mm -hmm. so i'm trying to find methods to wind down around you know eight or nine o'clock at night so yeah yoga's That's been smart. great so i yeah so i do all of that and try to carve out time to turn my phone off or at least put on do not disturb mm -hmm. because sometimes I go down the Twitter rabbit hole and just 
just depressing. So I try to stay away from that as much as possible. Or follow us. We're pretty yeah. fun. We have a mixture of cat memes and perfect. Yeah. Um, right, the crooked media people. But right. try to stay woke. I did a couple a couple <laughs> gifts today. I'm in the gift camp as opposed yeah, to the gift camp. Yeah, you did. A couple gifts. Yeah, today. there were monkeys yeah. throwing desks over or something. Well, one was from the IT crowd, a British TV show uh-huh. where one of the characters was throwing his computer off the right. the desk, which for me represented how I felt about Twitter when I checked it this morning. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. So Twitter today was that the real shithole. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Twitter was was a was a cesspool today. More, I mean, more so than usual. I guess I don't know. Maybe it's just I was paying more attention. So Twitter is a shithole is actually a good name for a, um, an episode. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Twitter yeah. is a shithole. Speaking yes. of shitholes, <laughs> we learned today all about shitholes um, from Thanks our president. To our president. Yeah, yeah. Lots of Haiti. I think particularly I, I read was. Was I don't know if the president's ever been to Haiti or knows where it is on a map. Pretty sure he cannot pinpoint it, but it is shithole. He's been to Norway though. Seems to love it. Yeah. I don't know why he thinks that uh, people from Scandinavian and Nordic countries want to come here. I mean, they have a perfect welfare right. system. Why in the heck would you come to the right. U.S. and little to no gun violence? So right. you know, that's a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely don't want to come here. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> But um, on to lighter subjects, yeah? yeah. So yoga, um, so that's your fun. Exercising right. is your fun? Yes. You, you're not a foodie because you eat at 7-Eleven. Yeah, no more. I have since given up Smart. my 7-Eleven ways. Um, I do love candy, though. It just It's my favorite. But. What's your favorite candy, though, then? Kit Kat, no question. Kit Kat, wow. Oh, okay. okay, cool, cool. Have you had the, the flavored Kit Kats? Um, most of them, okay. yeah. Okay. Green tea Kit Kat was my stopping point. Oh, smart. Once I got there, I was like, I'm playing a dangerous game. So I agree with <laughs> you. I, I first tried a green tea this, this summer. The uh, champagne Kit Kat actually was delightful. Never heard of that, but yeah, I have to get there. That one was, it didn't taste like champagne. It just tasted <laughs> like a white chocolatey kind of like slight grape flavor in the... Uh, the Kit Kat. That cool. was a big, I was a big fan of that one. Can I yeah. just say, I mean, you millennials, you can't afford a down payment because you're buying matcha and champagne Kit Kats. Like, I mean, one of us posted a picture of their avocado toast, speaking of no mortgages. Yeah, you, not me. Well, you responded with a picture did, of your own I did, I did. A suggestion toast. of seven local places where you can get one. A delightful avocado toast can be had at Vesta Coffee Roasters. It's my favorite yes. one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well done. And it's in the heart of District 10. So I. Oh, there you I try really hard to spend, to exclusively spend my money on small businesses within the Senate District. Mm -hmm. And it's thanks to all of the new small businesses that are popping popping up along Main Street. It's Mm -hmm. been much easier to find places really close to me that I love and enjoy. So Once the construction is done, right? It's a nightmare right now. Yeah. Yeah, but it's going to be wonderful once it's done and make that whole corridor much more walkable and allow for, I, I think, some of the anchor small businesses that have been there, like Casa Don Juan, to really benefit from a district that was long overdue for mm-hmm. some investment. So I'm excited about that. So what are some places maybe that we're, we are missing that are that are in your district? <sighs> oh, boy. So my district is pretty cool in that I have all of the strip I have UNLV, I have the convention center, it goes all the way down to the airport, and then oh, I have wow. a big chunk of the east side. Jesus, so it's big. It's huge. Huh. Um, it's about 110,000 people who live in the district. Okay. Um, 
but no I, big deal. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I call it the most Vegasy of Vegas districts. That's for sure. That's really what it is. Yeah. Um, so I get to enjoy everything from the really gourmet food on the strip to places like Tacos El Gordo to some of the great mm. eateries um, on Main Street. So I'm a creature of habit and end up really just hopping around um, the same kind of couple of places on Main Street. Right. Jose is asking, are, is this, are we in your district now? Yes. Yeah. Oh, the den of dissent is existing <laughs> in your district. Yeah. Jose has got the biggest smile on his face now. He's just like, yeah. Hey. Yeah, this nasty woman represents you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. A couple bad hombres here. Right. Well, um, just to wrap up then, Ivana, how can people get involved uh, in your campaign? How can they help out? So I my campaign is definitely a starting point. I'm much less interested in building a campaign team and much more interested in building a community team. So if folks in the district and even folks outside of the district are doing something that they want to amplify or that they think should that they think could be bigger and better and need more connections, I see that as my role in a way as really being a source of connecting folks to whether it's other political branches or groups, businesses that are doing work. So I am easily stockable in how available I am. My cell phone, my address, my Twitter, my Facebook, everything is online. Um, so folks should get in contact with me about what they're doing because I'd love to learn, but because I'd also love to help. Um, so folks should reach out. What's and your Twitter handle? It's just at Ivana Cancella. Oh, so really? um, N-N-N-N-Y-V-A-N-N-A. I, I used to tell people it's Ivana like Trump. Um, mm. I don't Ugh. do that anymore. <laughs> no, don't do that anymore. Uh-uh. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oprah who? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So I'm also going to be working on putting together more events in the district. I want to do a Maryland Parkway small business tour. I want to have neighborhood meetings and all all sorts of these different um, pockets of beautiful communities that we have. So Mm -hmm. we have the Hunt Ridge area, John S. Park. We have closer down to the Mm -hmm. east side, all sorts of really vibrant communities. So I'm... My goal is to go on a listening tour through the district this year. So I'm going to visit every school in the district. I'm, we have four metro uh, area commands within the district. I'm going to do a ride along with an officer from each one. I want to visit senior centers, all of our community centers, Winchester community centers in the district. Yay, that's awesome. Um, so I have a lot of work to do to meet and work with the community because I was appointed and not elected um, and selfishly because it's what I really enjoy. So uh, I'm going to be doing that and I want to build, I don't want to go to Carson City to work for people. I want to go to Carson City to work with people. So all of my bills next session will come from the district, whether it's from a business, a school, an individual, because I want folks to fight through the whole legislative process for things they care about and really fight for our community. So, cool. yeah, Well, as awesome. someone that comes from a totally grassroots-oriented background, that's something that I can totally appreciate. And thank yeah. you for just getting out there and like getting yeah. your hands dirty. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's my favorite kind of work, so I'm looking forward to it. Yay. Yeah. 
Well, cool. We look forward to yeah. uh, uh, supporting you in the future, and we consider you a friend of the pod. Hopefully, we'll have you on again. Yeah. yeah sure. I'm very honored to be the first guest. <laughs> I, I will never forget <laughs> it. <laughs> Is this the first podcast you've been on? I mean, it's okay if you've been um, on others. We're just, yeah. I'm just curious. I yeah. think it might be. No, that's not true. I've been on one other podcast. Okay. But. Not yeah. one as cool. No. But, no. And not one that had such great hosts, so. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, guys. and free a battleborn podcast let's roll the credits allison awesome well my, i i'm allison yanez i'm jacob murdoch and today we counted on the assistance of our research assistant ashley pacheco our glorious wonderful producer jose sotelo and artistic uh direction by berta gutierrez and don't forget our dog in the den of descent raven giddy up you know, Allison, I'm feeling really refreshed right now. Oh, yeah? How come? It's not just the interview mm-hmm. that we had with Ivana Cancela. It was fantastic. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's also it's also because of the great night of sleep I had last night on my internet mattress. Ooh, do tell. So, you know, it's it's I bought it from the internet. It came in this, this box, and you mm-hmm. unfold it, and then it gets air in it, so it's like really squished down. It's the most rewarding satisfying thing you can watch is to watch this very large mattress come out of this very small box as it fills with air and fluffiness and then you just want to lay on it and sleep like a cloud it sounds like something out of the inspired by the jeffersons i feel like that's not a thing i'm sorry the the jetsons Jetsons. (laughs) mattress thank you for your sponsorship and the wonderful nights of sleep here's to good night's rest